Great. It's good to be with you this morning. Are you all right? Good. Excellent. All right. Um, the Lion's Children's Bible. Has anybody read it recently? That's, I'll take that as a no. Um, I think it's brilliant. You know, um, I get my best sermons from the Lion's Children's Bible. I'm quite serious. Because we're having Nico, uh, and Nico's only four. Um, we, we, we read together at night, and he has this beautiful Lion's Children's Bible. And uh, the other night, we were reading together, and, um, and we read the story of the, the ten lepers coming to Jesus. You know, the one that was read beautifully earlier uh, by that, that young lady, and she did a wonderful job of reading it to us. And, and do you know, sometimes you're just struck by something. And I'm reading it to him, and uh, I suddenly realized that Jesus healed ten but really, only one got healed. And I'd never noticed that before. Nine of them had their physical needs met, but only one of them really got healed. Isn't that true? Because only one of them came back to have friendship with God. Only one of them realized that there was something far more at work than just their physical needs being met here. And... And so I'm sat there, wide open mouth. God, I felt, was speaking to me and saying all this to my soul. And Nico was nudging me going, Dad, Dad, carry on, carry on. And I'm just having a moment, you know. And he's not having a moment. And uh, and it was just a clash of worlds. But um, but we did move on from there quickly. But, you know, it just, it just struck me that, you know, this is an amazing thing. And, and I've been thinking through a lot of things because... Uh, you as a church have been very blessed. I know that, um, I, I knew Robert, um, he's moved on now, and, and that's been a while ago now, but you've had some good teaching, I guess, uh, and some really theological teaching. Uh, our church is very different, um, in, in the sense that I'm probably very different as well. Uh, we do our best, and we study, and we work hard, but, you know, um, you know I'm, I'm not, uh, I, I'm very sort of a bit wild, actually. Um, I'm not trying to be this morning. I will be a bit calm this morning and restricted, but I'm a bit sort of wild and in my thinking. But I made a decision that we would, we would go through the book of Romans. Well, that was brilliant, that. What a genius decision that was, because the book of Romans is really hard. Anybody read it recently? So I said, church, I'm going to teach you through the book of Romans. Then I read it again, and I thought, no, what am I doing? I might as well have gone for Revelation. It's just bad. And then, so I'm sat in my office saying, God, help. Give me the Lion's Children's Bible. Something will come to me. And, And I'm looking at the book of Romans, and I'm trying to unpack the book of Romans. And then I discovered this. And this was a beautiful moment in my life. And I think Nico was happy that it didn't happen when we were reading at night because I'd have been sat there for ages looking at the the ceiling. Um, I suddenly realised that the book of Romans, if you look at it theologically, if you try and analyse it and pull it apart, it looks very complicated. Paul, the great mind, the great intellect, is trying to, you know, pull out all these things and and it just seems overwhelming to us. And then I suddenly realised that it's not that at all. It's a story. The book of Romans is a beautiful story. And it's the story of the gospel. And the reason I started with the the ten lepers is that the ten lepers got me thinking about salvation. And what does salvation mean? What does, what does, what is it? What, what is God doing in my life, in our church, in the world? And 
What was Jesus doing? And what, where were these people in all this connection whose lives were broken through leprosy, through separation in their community? And, and why is it that nine of them were happy to just have their physical needs met, but one of them realized that something more wonderful was happening? And what is it all about? And I realized that actually the book of Romans is exactly the same. After 20 years of traveling around preaching the gospel, and I'm sure that you've heard a thousand sermons and, and a thousand times things have been preached to you, unpacked to you. And Paul had preached a thousand sermons and he'd heard the gospel and he understood the gospel. But after 20 years of traveling, he sat down and he had a three month break and he suddenly realized that he hadn't even begun to understand what this great story is about. Don't you ever feel like that? Well, I hope you do, Cause, cause, because that's the revelation of God. We sit down and we think, I, I don't understand this. You know, I, I know Jesus loves me. I know God loves me. I know that, that, that there's this whole wonderful thing that God is doing in the world. And I've got, I need to understand it afresh. And the moment we cease to want to know God in a fresh way, that's the moment we begin to die, isn't it? Inside. We begin to get separation from God. And so I looked at the book of Romans, less terrified, because I looked at it as a story and thought, well, I'm just going to tell our people a story. Because this is what Paul did. He sat down and he said, what is this gospel I've been preaching for 20 years to, to people who are brutal, to people who are civilized, to all sorts of people across the known world? I've had to unpack this gospel. I've had to find ways. I've had to tell them stories. I've had to find scriptures and poetry and anything I could possibly find to tell them this story about what Jesus did for them. And then he sits down and he said, I want to know what it's all about again myself. So he starts again with the book of Romans and he just, it just flows out of him. He says, this is what it's about. It's about Christ coming for us, about Christ doing the work for us, about Christ making us right with God. And the word salvation throughout the Old Testament meant healing and restoration. Well, some of us have had healing, but restoration is another thing. Being restored and put right with God, Jesus does that work, but somehow that's an ongoing work, isn't it, in our lives. Restoration is, is a work of mystery. And so what I did was, I, I thought, well, if Paul's telling a story, I'm going to look at the story, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to try and understand it. So I went back to, to uh, Genesis. Because in Genesis... That's the beginning of the story, isn't it? That's, begin- that's where it all starts. So um, I went back to Genesis and I thought, what is Paul saying about us as human beings and about our relationship with God? And I suddenly realized this. This is very profound, I know, it's deep. Um, we aren't angels and we aren't animals. Do you know, that was a moment when I had that as well. And I, I realized that, that when the world was created... It was created out of chaos, wasn't it? God, you know, there was this all, all this mess. There was the water and, and it was just this, this chaos. And, and some of the Jewish uh, interpreters of the Bible uh, interpret that, that word as wild and waste. The, the, the world, when, when God started to create it, at the beginning, it was wild and waste. Have you ever felt like your life is a bit wild and waste? And, and it, was, it was wild and waste. And, and out of this wild and waste, this water... Uh, you know, and this, this chaos and this world, God began to bring order. And there's an incredible order in creation, and it betrays God's priorities. It's really interesting. 
You see, angels are spiritual beings. And we know from the rest of the Bible that they were created before us. They were serving God before us. Um, and But the wonderful thing about angels is that they're not us. That they're not like us. There's something about us as human beings that in a sense surpasses them. And you know the book of Hebrews says we were made a little lower than angels, but God has exalted us higher than them. And, and there's something about us as human beings that God so treasured that, that we need to connect with and understand. And then I realize we're not animals. Now, now vets, vets are amazingly qualified people, aren't they? I mean, vets are, I mean, I, I, I just, I take my hat off to vets because they've got to be qualified. But they don't have to be counselors, do they? I mean, when did a vet last have to sit a dog down on the table and talk about emotional healing? You know, about its broken relationship with the female dog it's been trying to work on, you know. And, 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 it's just crazy, isn't it? But it's true. Vets don't have to be counsellors, do they? And because we aren't animals and, and animals are different from us. Their, their instinct is very physical. They have their needs met. But we're different. We're not angels, but we're not animals. And what Paul was saying in the book of Romans is that, that some people, um, when they lose this sense of who we are in God's sight, our, our place in God's sight, they become like animals. Uh, if, you, if you've ever read through it, you'll see that, that, that they become very selfish about their base instinct. And don't we see that in the world, that, that we become grabbing and grasping for all the things that we want? And there are other people who, who try to be like angels almost, where, where they try to be good to the extent that they're trying to live something that's impossible for all of us to live, a life that is beyond all of us. Because we live in the flesh and we have physical needs. So somewhere in the order of creation, going back to Genesis, God, God, these angels were there and they celebrated and God created man. Here it is, here's the difference. Man isn't an angel and he isn't an animal, but he is this. He is made in the image of God. Isn't that incredible? He's, there's something about us that is beyond angels, is beyond animals, and, and is, is the connection between us and God. We have a spirit, we have an, a soul, we, we have emotional connection, and we have physical needs. And there's something in human beings that is so precious, so amazing. And we are made in the image of God. There's something mysterious about that, isn't there? And God put Adam in charge of everything. And that, that was his relationship. So, so I started off at this place where, where we were looking at, you know, we're not angels and we're not animals. And Paul in Romans is saying, we, we're not these, but we are worth dying for, aren't we? At least God thought we were, didn't he? Jesus thought we were worth dying for. There's something about us that God thought they're worth dying for. And that's the image of God. We reflect him in a wonderful way. When we are at our best, we reflect God. We refract his light into this world. When we're at our best, we look like him in some way, in some shape, in some form. You know, um, on, our, on our church at Wall, uh, I asked them to paint um, Love God, Love Others, which is a really, you know, pretty simple statement 
But in fact, it's the most powerful statement that was ever made, ever, in my opinion. When Jesus said that those are the two most important things that we must do, he was summing up who we are to be in the image of God. That we love God first and that we love others. And he was summing it up so beautifully. And then somebody, like we always do, said, oh, but what does that mean? Who's my neighbour? And Jesus told a wonderful story about the value of human beings, didn't he? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever asked the question why it is that, that human beings will actually be prepared to risk their life for other human beings? Other human beings they don't even know. Have you ever thought about that? People run into burning buildings. Doctors, paramedics, all of us at, in, at some point in our life would put ourselves out for somebody else, wouldn't we? There's something about human nature that says, says that person, that, that, that person is, there's something about them that is beyond them. They're not just, they're, they're not an angel, they're not an animal, they're made in the image of God. There is something about human beings that is an amazing, an amazing connection. There's something about us that only belongs connected to God. We are only right when we're connected to him. And this is what Paul was saying. He said, life's only right. Romans is all about that. Life's only right when we're connected to God. And really, I didn't, I didn't want to sort of say a lot this morning, but I wanted to unpack that thought about being made in the image of God. And I I wanted to read to you just a little passage of scripture and then tell you a story. Because I think stories are wonderful. And they, they make, they connect God and His Word with life and our reality. And so I just want to read this short passage of scripture from Romans 2, verse 12. It says, All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts and their conscience is also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing or even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Now when you read that, it's a bit wordy, isn't it? But what he's actually saying is, there are some really good people who don't know God. Isn't that true? Don't you know people who don't know Jesus, but they're really, really good people? Don't you know people who know Jesus, and they're not? (laughs) Well, it's true. You know, it just is the way it is. Um, and uh, But what Paul is saying is he's saying that that, oh, that shocks on me. Didn't know. I shouldn't do. It's, it's a reality in my life, in our church. In my life, actually, sometimes I don't look like Jesus at all. Um, but I try. But, um, but what Paul's saying is this. He's saying, he's saying some people know that they're made in the image of God somehow. Some people just know that. They might not know him. And it's our job to tell them that that's who they are. 
that they're people made in the image of God. But, uh, but they do by nature the things that God would want them to do. The only connection they don't have is that where we paint love God, love others, they don't have the love God bit, but they've connected with the fact that there's something in them that makes them love other people, that makes them have some connection with other people. You know, it's interesting, I, I'll mention him because I remembered him from last time. I was speaking to Stephen as I came in, and Stephen's a surgeon, isn't he? I remembered that. And, uh, and I just thought, he, in some way, when you're in a profession like that, you must see a, a, an, ama- an amazing sense of, 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 of the mystical. Uh, and when I use the word mystical, I don't mean it in a strange way. I just mean that people somehow know uh, that there's something bigger. A, a touch means something, doesn't it? You know, in, in, in hospitals, nurses know that, that it's, the healing is far bigger than just putting a bandage on, just sewing someone up, you know, just, just healing their body. There's something more about human connection because we're made in the image of God. There's something more that all human beings need. And, um, you know, I, I, I was watching a documentary on um, uh, 7-7, has anybody else watched those documentaries? There's been some amazing documentaries on, on um, sort of looking back on, on the, the bombings on the London Underground. I think it's three years since, since they happened. And, and this is what amazed me, and this is why I want to tell you this story, because um, I, I think that when we open our eyes um, as Christians, we, we will see that the image of God is reflected so much in our community, in our lives. And it's only a, a step to open our eyes and see what God's doing. But there was this woman uh, on, the, on one of the carriages. Carriage, I think it was carriage 346. I'll get my facts right if I can. I wrote it down. Um, yeah, she was travelling, I think, on carriage 346. And, and her, her name was Jill Hicks. And the suicide bomber that day was in her carriage. That day for her was like any other day, just like ours has been coming to church this morning. She stepped on that train and it was no different from any other day. And she sat in that carriage and interestingly, she'd had an argument with her partner the night before. She was due to get married in about a year's time, and, uh, but things had gone wrong. And she was reflecting on all this. All of a sudden, from nowhere bang, everything just went black. She had no idea what had happened. It went pitch black. She couldn't see a thing. She couldn't hear anything. There was nothing. After a few minutes, she started to adjust to the darkness. And her mind, you know when you're in a situation like that, that your mind suddenly tells you that something incredibly awful, catastrophic has just happened. And she knew, but she didn't know what it was that had just happened. And so she started to come round and started to adjust and, and, and figure out that something, something so terrible has happened here that, that she, she was part of it and would she live or would she die? And as she sat there, she then begins a journey. Now what amazed me about this journey that she went on was that it was incredibly spiritual. And yet, she never mentioned God once. I watched the interview with her very, very carefully. And it was an incredibly spiritual journey, but she didn't mention God once. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I think that is in a moment, but I'll tell you the journey first. 
she sat there and she felt something had happened in her legs. I won't go into the details, but obviously it was quite horrific. And she reached down, and as she reached down, she, she, her hand actually disappeared into her leg, and she knew at that point that something really, really terrible had happened to her legs. And she also knew, because she could feel, that she was bleeding profusely, so she was losing a tremendous amount of blood. And then, at that moment, the realisation hit her that she was actually dying, that she was bleeding to death because she could then feel physically that everything was going. And then she said, a struggle began between life and death. And it's funny how she she gave life and death a personality at that point. She said, I could hear, not audibly, but I could hear and feel death calling me to close her eyes and give up, to, to let go. But then something amazing happened on the other side. She said, but I could also feel life. I began to think about my family, about the argument I'd had the night before and with my my partner and and the unresolved issues that needed and the things in life that that were so precious to me and and my connection with other people. And something bigger started to well in her that life, the voice of life became louder than the voice of death. And she started to fight and she, and, and she made a, a tourniquet out of her scarf and tied it round her leg and she began to, to, this battle between life and death to stay alive. But then, but then, the real miracle happened. The doctors and the paramedics broke into the carriage and they got to her. But this is what she said. She said she didn't know what they were saying or doing, but somebody grabbed her hand. Somebody got hold of her hand. And in that moment, she said, I could feel, she said, I couldn't see who it was. I didn't know his name because afterwards she found out it was a man. I didn't know it was his, I didn't know his name. I didn't know anything about him. But she said he was holding my hand. And she said this really interesting thing and it really made me think. She said, I could feel him willing me to live. There was something in this connection between two human beings that was inarticulate. And in my mind, although God was not there, he was. He was inarticulately there. In this connection between human beings, he was inarticulately there. The the image of God was reflected in this moment. And something in the man and in Jill was connecting and saying, I really want you to live because there's something so special about us as human beings. There's something that even if I don't know your story, I don't know your life, but you really matter. And she said, I could feel, this is amazing language from someone who clearly isn't a Christian but had some connection with something at that moment. And she said, I could feel him willing me to live. I could feel it. And then she used this term, she said, I could feel him giving his life to me. And I find that amazing. You know, we could sit down and analyse that and say, well, that's nothing to do with God. Well, in one sense it isn't, but in in another sense, it's this deep-seated connection between us and God and us and other human beings. We are made in the image of God. We are really special. There's some wonder... And the world, our term for the world, those who maybe don't know God, they know this, don't they? People know this. 
They, they do know when they are disconnected from this image within them. They know that. They fight against it and they know it. Because we all need love in our lives. And this is the gospel. And, and, and she survived. Amazingly, the end of her story is she, she survived. They got her out. And uh, she had the, uh, her, her legs amputated uh, quite low, I think, from, from just above the knees. And the surgeon came round and uh, she said, I'm getting married in September. I think it, the bombings were in July, I think. And uh, she said, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it, am I? I'm not going to be able to walk down the aisle. This is the end of my story. And he turned to her. And again, this is another... And he said, no, you walk down the aisle. You will walk down the aisle. And she thought he was insane. But actually, when September came, she'd learned how to use prosthetic limbs. And she walked down the aisle. And she got married. And, and that moment of in that carriage of that man grabbing her hand so profoundly changed her life that she started an organisation um, called Mad for Peace, Making a Difference for Peace. And even though I don't know today if that journey led her to God, I hope it did in some way, let her know that this wonderful connection between human beings was a gift of God, that she was made in the image of God. But what I do know is it changed her so much that today she works for peace between different racial groups and different religions, peace between people. This connection we call the image of God, she's working to try and help people connect with, even if she doesn't know what that is. I think that that's the story of what Jesus did with the lepers. But only one of them truly connected. They were healed because they were made in the image of God. You know, there's a wonderful phrase at the very beginning of that. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. But I noticed it this morning when I reread the passage. It said this. It said, it said, Jesus looked at them intently. These were, these were ten men bellowing at Jesus from a long distance, crying out to him. And, and it says, he looked at them intently. And my mind raced at that point. I thought, what on earth was Jesus thinking? And then it just dawned on me that I think, in whatever way it was going through Jesus' mind, he was thinking, you are made in the image of God. And I am here to restore that image. Because your life has been physically broken, but you have been, more than that, you have been rejected from a community in which you are supposed to receive love from other people. And, and you've been pushed out. And not only that, you can't worship God because you can't go into the temple. And I'm going to put an end to all that. And nine of them got their needs met, were reintegrated into the community, and, and found something restored in them of the image of God and life and wholeness. But only one of them found true restoration with God. Only one of them came back and said, this salvation is about more than just my myself and my life in the community. This is about my life with God and with other people. And I'm going to put that whole thing right. And so, what's my thought this morning? I don't really know. There were quite a lot there, weren't there? Um, but what I, what, I, what I do think is I probably should have finished about five minutes ago. Uh, sorry, Michael. What I do think... <laughs> What I do think is this, that in our church, and, and I know it's the same for you here, 
Um, we have to find ways. We have to be um, wide-eyed enough to find ways of reconnecting people with, with who they are, that they are made in the image of God, loving them, but then extending that to saying, actually, this connection is with God. You know, it, it only finds its fullness in him. You only find healing and restoration in God. There's a lot of wonderful healing goes on in the world. People do good things for other people. But restoration with God, rightness with him, that, that's, that's, that's the essence of everything. That makes everything right. And we know that, don't we? We, we know that. But, um, but the challenge to us all and to you as a church and, and you're going through a time when there's, there's no minister here currently and you need to pray that through and work that through that, that you get the right person and they lead you in the right way. But, but pray, pray that God will show you how to do that for this community. And, and, and I know that he will. So can I pray with you? Is that okay? And then we'll sing a hymn and then we'll, we'll do the benediction at the end, which we don't do in our church. We're quite eclectic, actually. We, we steal from everybody. And so I said to Michael, I don't know which one I do, because I use all sorts of prayer books, so I don't know which one it is. So if I get it wrong, forgive. It's all right. Let's pray together. Father, we were made in the image of God, and that's a great and mysterious thing. We, we were made to have spiritual connection with God and with other people, to have emotional connection with God and with other people. And we were made, God, to have physical connection with God and with other people. And God teaches how to live fully for you, to find full healing and restoration in our own lives, and then to take that to the community, the people who we love, who are around us, to be challenged by this good news and to let it form something new in us, to remind us that we are made in the image of God and that that we, that we are worth dying for. You felt we were worth dying for. We, in our better moments, feel that other people are worth dying for. And God, I, I really pray that um, we'll just find something good in all this this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.